you came for this morning amen hey can we just take a moment as we slip our hands to heaven and welcome the presence of the lord in this place well father we do welcome you lord we know in your presence lord that things change so god as we continue to worship lord we make place for you we make room for you god we pray that your presence god your spirit would come inhabit and dwell this place god today in jesus name and we bless you and we love you and everybody said amen
Out of the ashes, let us. 
The Spirit of the Living God, the Spirit of the Living God, is calling out your name. Come alive. We bless you, Jesus. He's worthy. Amen. We bless you, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. Lord, we love you so much. Can we just slip our hands to heaven in this place this morning? Begin to tell Him how much we love Him and we bless His name. He's worthy. Amen. We bless your name, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. Name, Lord. Oh, we bless your name. And how deep the Father's love for us. And how vast beyond all measure. He should give his only son. She's treasure And how great the pain of searing loss The Father turns his face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to
Jesus, thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you paid for our ransom. God, it's, not, it's a debt that we could not pay, yet you paid it for us, and we are free because of what you paid for on the cross. And we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for paying our debt. When I was praying this morning during the service, I felt like there were those of you in the congregation this morning that we're feeling like kind of beating yourself up. There's been some mistakes that you've made. There's been some things that you've done or said, some things from the past even, that the enemy has just kept bringing up into your memory and reminding of you of them and telling you that you're no good, telling you that you blew it too big. And this is the word of the Lord to you today. There is no debt Nothing that you have done that God cannot and has not already paid for on the cross. His forgiveness is unconditional. All you have to do is receive it. And this is what you need to do today. Tell the enemy, shut up, confess your sins to God, and then move forward knowing that you are forgiven. We're going to call our prayer team down to the front, and we want to pray with you about anything that you have need of today, whether it's healing in your body. It may be for your marriage, for your business, for a friend, but we especially want to pray with you today. If you have had the enemy rehearsing mistakes from the past in your mind, telling you that you are not forgiven, we want to pray with you today, and we want to settle this once and for all. You are forgiven. You cannot have done anything that is too great for what he paid for on the cross. I invite you to come forward and receive prayer. In the name of Jesus, there is power. Break every chain. 
this morning. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. We bless your name, Lord. You are worthy and you alone, Jesus. We serve a good God. Why don't you greet your neighbor this morning? Tell him I'm happy you all to see him in God's house.
welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today. back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. And don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. Breakthrough Prayer is this Sunday, October 16th at 6 p.m. in the sanctuary. Join us as we pray for our nation. We will be packing for the Mexico mission trip on Thursday, October 20th at 1 p.m. in the sanctuary. Anyone who would like to help pack suitcases for the upcoming Mexico missions trip will be welcome. Pick up a container in the foyer and fill it with goodies to give as a Christmas gift to a child in Haiti. Join us in blessing the children of Haiti this Christmas. All the information is in the foyer. Yesterday evening after service, we met up and ate at Jason's Deli. Next Saturday, October 22nd, we have burgers, bingo, and football right after service with a $2 meal. On Saturday, October 29th is Superhero Night. Make the shift to Saturday night service to free up seats on Sundays for visitors. We love Saturday night. We love it for lots of reasons, but one reason we really love it is because we get all day Sunday off to do what we want to do. And you know what? The first time we came, we came to Sunday morning, and it was wonderful, but when we came to Saturday night, we felt like we had found our place. We come to church on Saturday nights, and we've been coming for three years now, and we really enjoy it because it frees up our Sundays, and it allows me to be able to teach Sunday school. I've gone to church Sunday mornings all my life, and I always thought I wouldn't do any different. And even after going to church here, we've gone three years, over three years, on Sunday mornings and we just recently it was first part of the summer we had to go on a Saturday night because we were leaving town Sunday and so we decided to go Saturday night and we actually loved it we all kind of agreed hey let's do that again and I know pastors asked us for a while he's asked everyone those who could make room for Sunday morning and uh, we can so why not so we actually enjoy it we go now every Saturday night and food and date night is awesome yeah date night's good Amen. Good to see everybody here today. You know, if you'd like to help just kind of free up seats during this service or want a little more room, that next Saturday night, you can try it out. We're going to have some uh, burgers for two bucks, bingo, some football will be on, just time to kind of fellowship and hang out. So that's the neat thing about Saturday night or come to that first service. But, man, so glad you're here today. And tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to have uh, what we call breakthrough prayer. I mean, when it comes toward the election, your vote does matter, but you know what matters more? that we're praying. We're praying for our nation. We're praying for these elections. So if you have an opportunity to come out tonight from 6 to 7, God bless. That's right. Hey, and we are so glad that you're here. 
If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, looking at verse 19 and 20 for our offering. And it's good to see you here today. Are you doing good? Great. Philippians 4, 19, it says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. How many people know that's a great scripture? Our God will supply every need that we have according to his riches and glory. We serve a God that is a provider. You know, as I was thinking about this passage, and a lot of you, you know it, but Paul is writing to the Philippian church, and he's telling this church, thank you so much for your giving. If you read just a few verses before this, you see when Paul started his early ministry and he was traveling around, he was spreading the gospel, the Philippian church is the only church at the beginning that was supporting him. So they were sending him money, and he was going, and he was spreading the gospel basically throughout that part of the world. And then he was saying, thank you so much for doing that. And he was also saying, look what God has done. You know, when I think about that passage of Scripture and I think about our church, just over the last few months, God has used this body to do a lot of different things. He's used us to touch this city, and He's used us to touch nations around the world. You know, I think about just over the last, I guess, six weeks, we started Sidewalk Sunday School back up with Pastor Mike and Miss Sharon. Over 150 kids every single week are hearing the gospel, a lot of them for the first time. Just two weeks ago, you remember Jaith Redgill, our missionary to Haiti. He came in, and we were able to give him, us in this in this auditorium right, right here, $11,000 to feed kids that need food every single day. That's amazing. Also something great that God's been doing uh, is with this ministry called Rahab's Retreat. And I want Miss Linnell just to talk about it for a second. We're going to show you some pictures up here on the screen. But Rahab's Retreat had their grand opening last Sunday. We were able to go and celebrate. And because of your giving, because of many of you in our congregation going up and working, we were able to help turn an old nursing home that should have been condemned into a place where women can be rescued off of the streets out of sex trafficking, women and children, and it's getting ready to open in the next couple of weeks. You saw the workout room, the computer room. Those are two specific rooms. We tore out walls. We uh, rebuilt them and furnished them, and it was because of your giving, your works and acts of labors of love. And I want to ask you, keep praying. They've got to get the fire alarm system finished and the, the inspectors pass so that they can open and start receiving women. We're believing in two weeks' time. Amen. Is that not great news? Listen, when we give, when we sow, God multiplies that. So in just a second, when the offering team comes by and we drop our money in there, listen, it's just not a few bucks. It's something God can use to literally turn people's lives around. That's what it's all about. Hey, thank you so much for your giving every single week. I encourage you this week, let's give cheerfully with a good heart, and let's see what God's going to do. And I pray that God will bless you, and he'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. God bless.
raised in a, a church, very grateful for it, very small country church, and during the singing, we sang songs. We had a song service. What you're doing in this song is you're worshiping God. And I'm not knocking song services, but what I'm saying is it's a difference when you sing about God than when you sing to Him. And how many know our Heavenly Father wants relationship with us? We don't have to go through another person to get to God. How I many know Jesus made the way so we can address our Heavenly Father, His Father, and tell Him we love Him? Let me invite you to just stand back to your feet. We're all going to sing this again. I want to encourage you, maybe even close your eyes so you're not distracted by people, and just let the Lord hear you say, I love you. We love you, Lord. God, we do love you today. Jesus, we love worthy of our praise. Come on, give him a big hand today. Jesus is worthy of all our praise. Hey, tell your neighbor, you are glad they're sitting by you today, and you may be seated. Well, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. But before we do that, I want to give a shout out to Pastor Eric Aiken. Eric, why don't you stand up? He's the director of Fields of Faith, the Christian ministry. And they had uh, Fields of Faith is with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Happens all over America. But how many people showed up here in Texarkana? Forty-two hundred. And more importantly, how many kids made steps to Christ? Four hundred kids made. Come on now, listen. I was there. It was powerful. They were just streaming to the altar. We're very, very proud of you. He's able to go to schools all over our area and uh, and 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 help kids in an appropriate way and in a legal way to, to begin to hear and understand about the love that God has for them and uh, the vehicle is sports. Well, listen, we're super glad you're here. We've been doing a series called Not Your Average Joe, and it's about Joseph in the Old Testament. He's teaching us how to live an extraordinary life. And uh, I've got this morning and one more message on it, but next week I'm going to interrupt the series and we're going to talk about political issues in America. There is a hot topic going on right now, and I guarantee you it's stressful. Anybody feel the stress of America and elections and who's going to win and who's going to lose and who are you for? Uh, it, it, it has the ability to kind of divide people. Have you noticed that? I mean, it's ugly out there. I'm seeing articles posted, words used that we just didn't use in public not too long ago, but it's just kind of out in our faces. It's divisive. Uh, friends are divided. Uh, people are dropped from Facebook. Families are divided. Uh, and sadly, if you're not careful, you can be divided from other Christians in the church. 
How many know Jesus is Lord? Listen, uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are not Lord. How many know Jesus is Lord? <laughs> And he's our king of kings. So listen, I'm very involved in, in, in our culture. I believe there needs to be godly standards. Uh, but guess what? We've got what we've got coming up. And next week, I'm going to do my best to give you a pastoral perspective of the election, of the issues in the election. Right now, it turns very ugly. Right now, it's more about uh, hairdos and wrinkles. And uh, you did this immoral thing and you did that immoral thing. And, uh, but there's issues that whoever we elect as our president, the direction of our country. We'll talk about them next week pastorally. I think you'll not only be educated by it, but I think you'll be encouraged and unified by it. And I encourage you to bring someone because uh, it's a great way. It's an introduction to the church because everybody's talking about it. But anyway, that's going to be next week. I'm thrilled to tell you, too, that we had almost 100, I think 98 people register in the last few weeks here in the church. It's a great thing. I commend you that registered. Well, in the next few weeks, we want to assume our responsibility to help educate, not indoctrinate, but to help educate you about the issues that are out there, not just the TV sound bites, but real life things, because the men and women that are going to lead our country will affect us for generations to come. Uh, next week, I think we'll have voter guides, uh, nonpartisan positions of the candidates, the parties. I think they've even got some material this week about party platforms. So check it out, and uh, we will resolve to stay united in serving Jesus through it all. Somebody say praise the Lord. Lord. Yeah. Okay, well, Joseph, last week we talked about Joseph, uh, and he taught us spiritual survival skills. And this week we'll talk about forgiving people who do us wrong. And I suggest there's perhaps no one better in the Bible than Joseph to give us this example. Joseph was a young man, if you know his story, his jealous brothers threw him in a pit, thought about killing him, and then sold him as a slave. But yet, as we see in today's message, God elevated this young man, and he literally, when he was confronted with the pain of the past, had found healing and forgiveness through God. So this is not just a theological message. It's not just history. It's not just doctrine. It is something you can practically use. And I promise you, I, I, this will help you dig out the garbage from the past of your life. How many know our hurts, our pain, they can be like a splinter or a thorn? If you've got a splinter in your hand, you can put a Band-Aid on it, but how many know it's going to continue to, to throb, it's going to continue to get red? How many know you need to get the splinter out? And that's what forgiveness is able to do. So I hope you'll open your heart to this. Genesis chapter 50 is where we begin. Now, Joseph, at this stage of the game, is probably mid to late 40s. He's now the, the, the right hand of Pharaoh. Uh, he interpreted a dream about a famine coming in the world. He was the one that was appointed to basically feed the world. For seven years, he accumulated food. Now the drought is happening. Uh, it, the drought's been going for several years. And Joseph's brothers have come before him. He's moved his whole family back to Egypt, and his daddy Jacob dies. Well, that's the, uh, that, that's the setting. Uh, Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, verse 15. And they said, it may be that Joseph will... Say it with me. Hate us and pay us back. When I do this, I want you to kind of read the screen and talk back to me, all right? So Joseph will hate us and pay us back. Now, what are they talking about? They're talking about something that happened probably 20 years earlier, but yet it was still at the forefront of their mind. They realized they had done something wrong, and they realized that justice was never given. And Joseph had the position now where he could punish them for what they had done wrong. We're afraid you're going to hate us and pay us back. So verse 16, they sent a message to Joseph. 
The message said, your father Jacob gave this command before he died. Now, we don't know if Jacob actually said this or they kind of made it up, you know, to kind of protect themselves. But nonetheless, uh, here's what he said. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. Now, the words transgression and sin are two separate Hebrew words. Transgression means it's more focused. Uh, It's a deliberate act. It's a crime. It's a specific act. Sin is the word that's more broad and general. They're covering all their bases here. But through either themselves or through daddy, they're saying, look, what they did was wrong. We want to ask you to forgive rather than show vengeance. Well, notice what it says. Joseph wept. You've got to get the picture in your mind. He's, like, he's the vice president of the world. They're bowing down before him as his servants. So he has the authority to do whatever he wants to. He's weeping, indicative of the fact that he was not harboring ill will or hatred in his heart, just waiting for the moment to get even. And he spoke to them, verse 18, his brothers said, Behold, we're your servants. But Joseph said to them, Don't fear, am I in the place of God? Alluding to the fact that God, not him, was entitled to execute punishment in the name of justice. Uh, Am I in the place of God? But notice what he said. He said, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good so many would be kept alive. And here's what I want you to see, that forgiveness is more than just a sorry, it's okay. He said, I'm going to provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, how many know when someone does us wrong, uh, uh, our forgiveness doesn't always find redemption and reconciliation? If you've got kids and you know your kids have been fighting and, and mom is there and she's got the spanking spoon and she said, I want you to say sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to. Me neither. Now hug and make up. Okay. Something's missing there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, no, if you're, if you're two salesmen, you're working in the company, and somehow you have been fighting over this commission, you know, I talked to the guy first. No, I did. I did. I did. And you're ready to go to guns there, and, and, and the customer gets so mad they're going to walk out, and I mean, you're still ready to have it, and the sales manager sits you down, and he said, look, what happened? Well, he said, and he did. Well, look, he says, look, I don't care who did. If you guys want to work here, then we need to put this thing behind us because we got to live with each other every day. Right? Sorry. I didn't mean to. It's a little bit more than that. It's a little bit more than words. But here's what I want you to see. Forgiveness is not just some burden or obligation. Forgiveness has the inherent power to heal. Forgiveness can heal us who have been done wrong. But it can also bring healing to the person that did the injustice. It's the way God works. You see, Joseph's brothers knew they needed to be punished. They carried this guilt for years But instead, he showed kindness. So my simple question is, how could Joseph love people who sold him into slavery? How could Joseph be kind to people who'd made his life a living hell for over 13 years? Simply, friends, spiritual power is released when we forgive. Now, this is the first mention of forgiveness in the Bible. The definition of forgiveness means to lift up. In other words, the wrong that was done, I I, I lift it up off of you. I'm not going to use it as a club to hammer you. Uh, Forgiveness means to to remove, to take away. Uh, Forgiveness is not just something Joseph did, but forgiveness is something every person that goes through a divorce has to do. Every abused child, every child that grew up without a parent, 
anyone that's been raped, uh, anyone that had a crime committed to them. Someone approached me this morning, and they were, uh, uh, I understand, on, on uh, working for their job, went to the bank to make a deposit. Somebody followed him, robbed him, and stabbed him six times. Well, thank God he's alive. But there's anger. There's, there's anger that can grow into bitterness. It can grow into hatred. And I'm not telling you that crimes and injustice don't matter. How many know God is the ultimate judge? I mean, no, we have a civil, a criminal justice system in our land. I'm not saying that, that to forgive doesn't mean we don't pursue justice. There's a place for it. But I'm saying in our heart, we don't let this eat us alive. To forgive means to wipe away the evil. It means to take away the guilt. It's an, it excuses us for the payment for a debt that's rightly owed. Another translation of Joseph's story, it says, Please let go of the sin of your brothers. I'm going to ask you to imagine that the sin or the hurt that was done to you, and they'll be coming up in the midst of this service, and the reason they'll come up is, I believe, so God can help you get healed from it. But as they come up, think about what we do in our hands. We either hold on to it tightly and grip it harder, or we willingly open and let go. And that's what forgiveness does. Unforgiveness grabs on tight and it drives us. It drives us for vengeance. I mean, no, you don't just have to be in the mafia to get even, to get even with somebody. I mean, no, you can be smiling at someone but have hatred in your heart towards them. But God has this ability for us to, where we can walk in the path of Joseph, to where we can have violence done towards us, but through the mercy of God, not only let that person go, but then be able to have such healing that we're able to act in kindness towards them. Um, let's, let's, let's look at what Jesus had to say about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18. And the balance of the message, I want to look at the words of Christ. The longest passage he taught on forgiveness was a parable. The, from this parable, we'll see that there are, are three lessons about forgiveness. And then I'm going to talk to you about how to forgive someone. Uh, that's the challenge. There is a, a, I'll just use the term, a legal way to forgive. There are steps to forgive, but then we have to know how to deal with the, 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 the pain that keeps on giving. We have to know how to forget what we can't seem to forget. So I think this will be helpful to you today. Matthew 18, the words of Jesus, and he's speaking to his disciples. He's training them. He's teaching them. And, and Peter comes to Christ and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? How often? Seven times? Jesus said, no, not seven, but 70 times seven. Now, what does this all mean? The rabbis of Jesus' day had basically, uh, it, it was called the Jewish Midrash. It was the interpretation of the Scripture. And they would give specifics. For example, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath day. So the rabbi would tell them what constituted work. You know, was feeding your animals or pulling them out of a pit work. Well, that's how they kind of made sense of the Scripture. Well, in this case, the rabbi said three times is adequate. So for Peter to say seven, I mean seven, it's the number of perfection. It's twice as much. And Jesus said, no, seven times 70. So now you're thinking, okay, i got to get a really long spreadsheet going on my little iPad, my iPhone here, so I can keep up with your sins, okay? I mean, how many times must I forgive my husband when he's left the toilet seat up? We're now on 219, but the Bible says I've got to give him until 490 till I can replace him. I, I, that's not what we're talking about. Jesus is not saying you just got to grit your teeth and endure this thing, but he is, and in the parable, he's basically going to ask this question. 
How much do you want to be forgiven? Just a little uh, quick poll here. How many have asked God to forgive you for the same thing more than 10 times? Let me see your hand. A lot of honest people today. More than 100? Same sin? More than 1,000? What did you do, sir? Would you, would you, would you mind telling me? How would you like? You pick the number, whatever it is. And first of all, let me say this. Don't ever stop going to God. In Hebrews, Jesus is portrayed as our high priest, representing us before God. And the Bible says that we are to run to the throne of mercy and grace. We're to go to Him in the midst of our sinfulness, not run away from Him, but go to Him. Acknowledging our sin, acknowledging our helplessness, and acknowledging His righteous standards. See, that's what we're supposed to do is to, is to go to Christ. Let me ask you, have you, so, so if we want to, we don't want to go to God on number 1,000 and say, God, I'm ashamed I did it again. I told you I wouldn't, but I did. And I want to ask you to forgive me. And this voice booms out of heaven. Get out of here. Too many. I can't forgive. No. So Jesus is simply saying, in the same way you want me to treat you, you treat other people. Anybody have a sin that you, you carried on your soul and never shared with anybody for a long, long time? I did. I, I had something from my teenage years. I didn't share with a soul till 20 years after I became a Christian. None of your business what it is. I was so embarrassed and so ashamed. See, your mind is running wild right now. I stole watermelons when I was a child, and I didn't think, no, I'm just kidding. But this is what this parable... Now, a parable is a story of everyday life that illustrates the spiritual truth. And what Jesus is going to say in this parable is God is like this king. And this king is going to forgive people. Well, God is the king, and, and the person in the first part of the parable is us. Forgiven an unlimited amount. And the second part of the parable is, is how we treat other people. And how if we refuse to forgive them, it could mean trouble for us. So uh, let's explore it. Verse 23, the kingdom of heaven... This is God's rule, God's ways. It can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who'd borrowed money from him. Now, how many know with God one day there's going to be an accounting? There is a judgment day that will befall every person that's ever lived on planet Earth. There's going to be an accounting. And in the process, one of his debtors who brought, uh, was brought in who owed millions of dollars, he couldn't pay it. I mean, just like we can't pay our way into heaven. You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't do enough good things. You can't personally absolve or atone from the wrong things that you've done. I mean, no, we need forgiveness. We, that's why we need a Savior. Well, the man begged him, and this is like you and I before God, please be patient, I'll pay it all. Well, the master was filled with pity for him, and he released him. Here's the definition. Forgiveness is letting go. It's a release. It's lifting up. It's removing the transgression. It's removing the judgment. It's taking it off his shoulders. He forgave his debt. Well, when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He demanded instant payment. And his fellow servant begged for a little more time. But this guy couldn't wait. I'm sorry. He wouldn't wait. And he had the man put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. For example, if it was, the fine was $20 a day, and if he owed $2,000, what's a 100 days in jail? So he threw him in jail, and other people found out about this. 
And here's what the king, representing God, would say to us if we do this to other people. He said, you evil servant, I forgave you. I lifted up that tremendous debt just because you asked me to. Now, aren't you glad 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, come on, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the confession. This is where mercy comes. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? Say this with me. Just as I had mercy on you. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. Now, I don't know what God's prisons of tortures looks like, but it can't be good. And that's what my heavenly father, listen to this, he'll do it to you if you refuse. You see, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So what God's looking for and what I'm hoping for for every one of us today, that any anger, hostility, unforgiveness, pain, bitterness that's in our hearts, well, today we'll be able to do that. And we'll be able to not only receive the mercy from God, but give the mercy from God. And in turn, come out of the prison that we have built for ourselves. Yeah, give the Lord a good hand if you like. He's, he's worthy of our praise. Now, lessons on forgiveness. I'm going to give you three. And then we'll talk practically about how I forgive. And here's the first one and arguably most important. All of us need God's forgiveness for our sin. All of us need God's forgiveness. Romans 6.23, it says the payment for sin, the outcome for sin, what you're owed, what you're due for your sin and mine is death. This is why people die, physical death. There is an eternal death, though, a separation from God in a real place called hell. The wages of sin for those who have not had their sins lifted up, who have not had their sins removed, who have not had the guilt of their sin take it away. We'll stand before God on judgment day, my friends. Heaven is real and hell is real. Come on. God, good is real. Evil is real. God is real. Satan is real. And it's a tragic thing that doesn't have to happen to anybody because God wants everybody to be forgiven. He wants all of our sins to be washed away. Uh, Our sin against God, I suggest to you, is the biggest problem we have. Our biggest problem that you and I have today is not who's going to be president. It's not whether the Cowboys are going to make it this afternoon at 3. Come on. Our biggest problem in this life is not how you're going to make your next mortgage payment. And God forbid, but if you have cancer, your, your biggest problem is not your cancer. Your biggest problem is your sin against God. Because your sin against God will have eternal ramifications. That's why for the Christian, the cross of Christ is so important. That's why if you heard us sing songs earlier today and you're kind of scratching your head wondering about the cross and the blood of Christ, it's because this, on this cross 2,000 years ago, an un, unrefuted historical event, Jesus Christ went to that cross willingly so that my sins and your sins could be forgiven. We need, for, we, we need our sins to be lifted up from us. And this is exactly what happened. Listen to what the Scripture says. The Scripture says in Psalm 103, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west. This is an infinite number. So far does God, what's it say? Remove, take away, lift off our transgressions from us. Isaiah says, each of us have gone our own way. But the Lord put on him. 
This was written 700 years before Christ was crucified, hundreds of years before Roman execution on the cross was ever used. It says, the Lord put on him the punishment for all the evil we have done. This is the distinctiveness of Christianity. And my friends, as you get older in life, you'll realize something. I'm 59. My dad's 79. I was just with my dad and my brother last week. I helped him farm a little bit, kind of, you know, go back to my roots. Dad's 79, still driving the combine. But something has changed about dad. When I was young, dad was very ambitious, working all the time. I never saw him go to church. I never saw dad with a Bible. But something happened to him just like it happened to me. As we begin to grow older, we begin to realize that the things of this earth, come on, they just go through your hands. The, the car that was brand new today is, is not brand new tomorrow. The truck that everybody wanted to have because you had it, you know, three or four years ago has now been replaced and superseded and it's just an, an older truck. The house that you thought was your dream house now has to be repainted or, or, or the foundation is cracking. Nothing lasts. Money that you made, it, it, it skyrocketed when the market was great and when the market's not great, it goes down. You can't take it, any of it with you. But as you grow older, you start realizing these things. My dad, I noticed when I was back with him this past week, we were working until dark, so we would work from 7 to 7 at night, 7.30. And Wednesday night, he said, well, I won't be there uh, uh, working this evening. He said, I'm going to church tonight. Uh, he said, I'm going to Bible study. Well, he's been doing that for years. Uh, uh, you know, he'd come pick me up around 7, 7.30, and first thing he'd say, did you watch Preacher So-and-So on the TV this morning? And I'm thinking, Dad, I'm on vacation. I just barely got up now, just a few minutes ago. And he's watching the preacher. Well, what happened in Dad's life? He realized that his sins, come on, separated him from a holy God. And he was one day closer every day. And he needed to have his sins lifted up. He needed to have his sins forgiven. He needed someone to take the penalty of his sins. Aren't you glad that's what Jesus has done for us? All of us need forgiveness. And if this is resonating with your heart today, we're going to offer a time to pray with you at the end of this service for God's wonderful gift. But, but here's the second lesson. God expects me to forgive people the same way he's forgiven me. And that's the purpose of this parable. But Jesus didn't just give a parable. He said it in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus said, When you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, and not just a repetitive prayer, but like steps on a ladder... And I think the fourth one is verse 12, forgive us for our sins. Now, the ESV, NIV, and I think the King James, it says, forgive me for my debts as I forgive my debtors. What, what does that mean? Does that mean people that owe you money? Well, it could be, but probably not. It's the debt of sin. It's the debt of hurt. It's the wound. It's the injustice. It's the pain. It's the person who has done wrong to me. He's, and you're asking God, forgive me for my wrong just as I've forgiven those who sinned against uh, those who've forgiven who sinned against us. And after the amen, verse 14, Jesus said this, I, if you forgive others for their sins, your Father will forgive you for yours. But if you don't forgive, your Father won't forgive you. I don't know what that means, but that doesn't sound too good, does it? <laughs> Listen. God will forgive me the same way I forgive others. If I choose to hold a grudge, to seek revenge, to punish, it's going to affect my relationship with God. Several years ago, I loaned someone $1,500. It was 19 years ago, seven months, six days, and 11 hours. 
22 minutes and 6 seconds when I loaned that money and wrote that check. And they were going to pay me back. I've forgiven them. How many have a list in your mind of the people that owe you 10 or 20 bucks? Let me see your hand here. All the accounts receivable that's aging before your eyes every day. Now look, I'm not saying people shouldn't pay you. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying we should be taken advantage of. What I am saying though is people that have long forgotten about something is still eating away at the inside of us. And here's what it does. It affects your relationship with God. Let me illustrate it this way. How many are grateful you've got electricity and water at the touch of a switch in the house? Oh, wonderful. Can you imagine what it would be like tomorrow morning if you, if, if you woke up and there'd been a break in the water line and you didn't have any water? And your 16-year-old says, Dad, the shower's not working and my hair is a mess. I'm not going to school. And the little boy says, Oh, yuck, Dad, the toilet won't flush. And, oh. <laughs> and you get ready to make your coffee, and your wife needs her coffee. And she said, coffee. And you say, we don't have any water. And she comes to greet you. Water is life-giving. Forgiveness is life-giving. You don't believe it, it'll affect your relationship with God. You'll come to church and worship and you won't sense the presence of the Lord. And here's what people do. They blame the preacher. They blame the worship leader. When it's something's happened to our hearts. Unforgiveness will take away peace from our home. Our home will be filled with strife instead of peace. It just seems like things get out of sync. Like a chain getting off the, the rhythm of, the, of its movement. I tell you, friends, it affects our relationship with God. We want to forgive other people. And again, it doesn't mean justice is forgotten. I know people who have gone through the justice system, got the legal judgment that they wanted, but still hated the person the rest of their life. I mean, no, just because the debt is paid doesn't mean I release someone. Now, here's the, here's the third lesson. So the first one was we all need forgiveness. The second is God wants me to forgive people to lift up their wrongs the way I've been forgiven. And here's the third one. There's no limit how often I must forgive. And there's no wrong that's too great to forgive. Now, this is a big one, this no-limit thing. Remember the illustration I used earlier? How many have sinned a thousand times before God? If I want God to forgive me on a thousand and one, then listen now, come on. It could be a brother in Christ. Here's what usually happens when Christians sin against each other. I met someone the other day, didn't matter who it was. But I saw him, and I realized I hadn't seen him in church in a while. I said, how you doing? Oh, we're just great. We're just great. I said, I've been missing you. Everything okay? Well, here's the statement. We just feel like the Lord's just, you know, moved us over here. And I said, well, great. Come back. Welcome to. And I asked some of the staff about it, and I said, what happened? And they said, I'm not sure that it was the Lord that moved them because they just had a big blow-up with so-and-so, and they got offended, and they got mad, and they almost went to Dukes in the church. And all of a sudden, and rather than, come on now, Forgiving is the way we want to be forgiven. It's just easier to say, forget you. I don't care if it's a husband, a child, a wife, a job, whatever it may be. Forget you. I'm going somewhere else. You can go somewhere else and be in torment. I moved from California, thankfully, uh, 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, before I left, somebody hurt me. And I was kind of mad about it. And this is a true story. I used to live in Wake Village, and I can remember cutting my grass one day, probably seven years after I'd left. 
And, 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 and I was just getting madder and madder and madder when I thought about what they did to me. And I am cutting my grass in the name of Jesus, asking my grass to be shorter and asking God to cut their grass like uh, their hair like I'm cutting this grass. Jesus' name. You've never done that. You have never walked in a restaurant. Where are you going to eat tonight, honey? Oh, my favorite place. You go ahead and pick it wherever it is. I'm going to my favorite place. I'm going to Chicken Express. I'm going to... Thank you. I'll probably get a coupon for saying that after church today. I'm going to wherever your favorite place is. And you walk in the door, and there she is. Honey, come on. Now, I know this is not happening in the second service. That first service crowd was all over that one. Is there a limit to how much I forgive? Jesus gave us this example in, my, in Luke 23. Now think, God's love sent Jesus to the cross. He came to forgive the sins of the world. And now the people have placed him on a cross. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I know we're not Jesus, but could he be our example? Come on. In this great lesson, there's no limit how often I must forgive or the wrong that was done to me. Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand today. Probably most important part of the message, how do I forgive? Now, I want to deal with this first of all, if I can say, in a legal concept of justice. And then I want to talk about the feelings that follow our wounds. How do I forgive? Forgiveness starts in prayer. You remember the Lord's Prayer, forgive me for my sins, in the same way I forgive other people. I suggest to you when we go to the Lord in prayer, and it's just the two of us, that we're to lift up the offense to God. Which simply means we're to tell God what he already knows about the person who hurt us, about what they did, about what our pain, and about our feelings, all of this. But still, we are lifting it up. We're turning the justice over to God. We're telling God, we're removing this. I'm taking this away. I'm wiping away the wrong. I'm forgiving the debt. You see, it's, it's like a mortgage that we owe. Sin is, is like a mortgage that we can't pay it. And how many know if you can't pay that mortgage uh, and you ignore that mortgage, how many know after 90 days the sheriff or the justice system will remove you from your home? Well, a mortgage must be paid. It's an obligation. But you're telling God, I'm turning this over to you. Uh, it, it is not a feeling, but it is a willful choice to forgive. Now, how many know forgiveness can happen easily? You don't have to just go to God in prayer. If the neighborhood kids are playing ball on the street and one of them hits a home run and breaks your window, you don't have to go before God in intercession before a seven-year-old boy to tell him he forgive you, Mr. Dave, for breaking your window. How many know you just say, honey, I forgive you. That's no big deal. It's a window. But when it's deep, when you lose your job, and losing your job made you lose your car or lose your house, come on now, or a drunk driver kills your child, or someone does something to you that strikes in a deep, deep vein, I want to tell you, friends, forgiveness is forgiveness. And at some point, the person who's living in hell is us. And in most of the occasions, the per person that hurt us, they don't even remember what they did to you in the seventh grade. They don't remember what they said about you and embarrassed you and, 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 and caused your personality to change from an extrovert to an introvert because they made fun of your big Adam's apple or whatever the case is. They don't even remember 
but we carry it inside of us. This is bringing it to God. Remember the closed fist? And opening our hand and say, Lord, I release this. I lift this off myself. Now, let me tell you how to deal with it. It, it, It's easy to say I forgive, but it's hard when we still feel the hurt and when we have the memories. I'm going to suggest to you three very practical things that helps you move beyond just the I forgive you to the Joseph. I'm going to take care of you and your kids and be kind. Here's the first one. I think it's important to tell the person that you forgive them whether they say sorry or not. It could be in a letter. It could be in a, it, 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 don't do it on Facebook. <laughs> but it could be going to them. It could be talking to them. If they're dead, it may be standing in front of a tomb. I mean, no, they're not there in the graveyard anymore. But I think it's important to tell them. And here's what I've found in my own life. Here's what I do. Uh, first of all, let me ask the question. How many, when you get mad, you're angry, you're ready to fight and go to fist? Let me see your hand. That's what you do with anger. When you're mad, you're ready to fight. All right. How many of you are passive aggressives? holy and humble like me, that we fight in different ways. I mean, we shut you out, buddy. We are unfriending you from Facebook. We are punishing you. We're locking the bedroom door. Come on, we are going to get even with you. We are a passive aggressive. Here's what I do. When somebody hurts me and it's real deep, I put the big freeze on them. Oh, yeah. I'll ignore you. I'll make it difficult. Now, I may even see you in church, but I'll make sure. I want to suggest to you, if you're in my shoes, to go to that person and say, hey, you know, a couple years ago, you fill in the blank, it really hurt me. But I want to ask, first of all, I want to tell you I've forgiven you, but here's what I want to ask you. I've been treating you wrong for a long time. I've been hurting you. This could be at Thanksgiving dinner. I've been ignoring you. I've not recognized your birthdays because I didn't want you to be married to my daddy. Come on. But I want to ask you to forgive me for the way I've treated you. They hurt you. Yeah, they hurt me. But now I'm killing myself, and I'm trying to get free from this thing. I want to forgive you. I want to release you. But don't stop there. Here's the second thing. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, say this with me. Jesus said to love your enemies and, and pray for those who hurt you. It is hard for me to hate you when I'm praying for you. I had somebody hurt me a while back, none of business who it was, none of business what they did. But it bothered me, and what bothered me worse is I had to ride close to their home on the way to my house. And every time I'd stop at the stoplight, though, here's what I would do. I'd look in their direction, and I'd say, Lord, I bless them today and everyone that lives in their house. I want to pray that the goodness of God would follow them. Why would you do that? I'm getting the poison out of my own life. They don't realize they're hurting me. Come on now. I'm hurting me, and the devil is tormenting me. Love your enemies. Next time you go in that restaurant, and there she is, and you hadn't talked to her since she did it, come on, put on your big girl panties there and just go up to her. (laughs) Just go up to her and stick out your hand and just say, I hadn't seen you in a long time, but I just want to say God bless you, and and I just hope, hope your life is doing good. You don't have to go and spill her iced tea on her head. Come on now. You just, just, just. You say, well, what if she doesn't? doesn't matter what she does. You're trying to get yourself healed. And then 
tell the waitress you're going to buy her lunch on the way out. And you'll be walking out of that place, I'm telling you what. You'll just be feeling so good because that's what we do as Christians. We respond to evil with good. Oh, I'm preaching better than your amen. We're headed for the home stretch. I'm going to tell you how to play catch, though, too, with, with hurts. Pastor Nick hurt me a while back. See him in church pretty regular. Yep. Delaney, you better move. Because I see him a lot. Yep. And I think about it every time I see him. And, uh, thanks. And, uh, All this is in my mind because every time I see Nick, I go, hey, brother Nick. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Come on, give me one more time. Then the Bible say to take every thought captive. Here's what you need to do with how you need to play catch with those hurts of the past. Don't throw it back at Nick in your head. Do that with it. I'm going to lift it up. I'm going to lift it up. Every time the thought comes in your mind, lift it back up to God. And I'm telling you, friend, I'm experienced in this. You can be free. He whom the Son sets free. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. I want to close with a quick video, and then we'll, have a, uh, we'll close in prayer. But the video is a true story. It's a newscast, and it's about a woman's response to a man who murdered her only son. Take a peek. We end tonight with one of the most potent powers on earth. It can change lives in an instant. Everyone has it. It's the power to forgive. Watch it now in action in Steve Hartman's Assignment America. Thank you, Lord. In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, a 59-year-old teacher's aide sings praise to God for no seemingly apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. For all you've done for me. He never had a chance. In February 1993, Mary's son, Loramian Bird, was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20 and Mary's only child. My son was gone. The killer was a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. I wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was. Tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years, O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood, close to Mary. This close. He lives next door. Next door. How a convicted murderer ended up living a door jam away from his victim's mother is a story not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea here at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow she could forgive her son's killer. What'd she say to you? I believe the first thing she said was, look, you don't know me, I don't know you. Let's just start with right now. And I was befuddled myself. 
O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close, they are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive. Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. For O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy. I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning how to forgive myself, and I'm still growing towards, you know, trying to forgive myself and what it is I've done. To that end, O'Shea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day and goes to college by night. He says he's determined to pay back Mary's clemency by contributing to society. In fact, he's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons, churches, to large audiences everywhere. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Yes, I'm grateful. Which explains why Mary can sing her praise of thanks to her audience so of one. Steve Hartman, CBS News. Minneapolis. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet this, this morning. This message is missing in America. In America today, we're divided. We don't know if black lives matter, white lives matter, all lives matter, blue lives matter. Somewhere in all this, we need to find forgiveness, come on, from the past. Joseph was able to forgive his brothers. Jesus was able to forgive people around him as he hung on the cross. A mom was able to forgive a murderer and see God's grace not only fall on her, but fall on him. I want you to just bow your heads just a moment. And I, I want us just to believe in the next couple minutes that there can be a God moment for each of us that need it. A miracle moment of healing and deliverance. I wonder if you're here today and nobody's looking around now, but the Holy Spirit's put his finger on somebody. Maybe I've scratched around at an old sore, but there's somebody in mind that you know that God wants you to forgive. I want you to just slip your hand up right now. That's all you have to do. You're not telling me, nobody have to say a word. You don't have to come front, nothing. But this is how your freedom starts right now. Just slip your hands all over the building. Say, God, I've been hurt. They hurt me dearly, but I'm choosing right now to let them go. That's right. Just keep lifting your hands. I'm choosing to let them go. I'm choosing to lift up the offense. I'm choosing to wipe the slate clean. I, I, I'm choosing to turn justice over to God. And now I wonder if you're here and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You're having problem with the pain of forgiveness. The memory still floods your soul. And the Holy Spirit has convinced you, quickened you that you need to start showing people good. You need to do kindness, acts of kindness to the one who was evil to you. You need to somehow apologize. You need to somehow connect. You need to release this. Won't you just lift your hand right now? Uh, Pastor, I'm making a decision today. I'm going to do good to someone. Someone that's hurt me and violated and taken from me. I'm going to bless those that have cursed me right now. Now, I'm going to encourage all of you that are reaching out to God now. Just, again, with eyes closed, just make a fist. Imagine that offense right now. And this is a visual reminder. You can even look at that fist. But I want you to just open it right now to God. We are opening our hands of judgment. And we're releasing the prisoner. 
Holy Spirit, I just pray that your presence would rest all over this spiritual act of worship today. This act of obedience. Forgiveness is not fair. But Lord, it's the pathway to healing. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. Welcome. Look at me just a second. Here's how we're going to close. We're going to have one last song and then go. But I want to make an opportunity for someone to pray with you personally. Particularly a message like this may have stirred some strong feelings. You may just need another real human being to take you by the hand and pray for you. But we'll pray for anything in this last moment. But, 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 but God may have a, a miracle moment for you here in your soul. But the most important prayer I'd ask, offer to pray in this last one is this. Maybe you're here right now and you say, Pastor, I need God's forgiveness. When you were talking in that part of the message, we all need forgiveness. Something began to tug on my heart. And I realize I need to get right with God. The way that I've been living has not brought me happiness. My sins have been too heavy for me to bear. I don't want to wait till I'm an old man or an old woman to get right with God. I, I want to turn my life over to Christ today. I, I want to say today that I believe in Jesus. I want to say today that I need God's forgiveness. I want to say today that I want to begin my life afresh following Christ. And if that's you today, we'd be honored to pray with you. You're here today, say, Pastor, I need God's forgiveness. I want y'all to pray for me. Just lift your hand up real high right now. Wave it at me. God bless you. Yeah, come all over the building. Now, God bless you, and God bless you, others. Yeah, God bless you, too. God bless you, too, dear. Uh, God bless you, too, ma'am. Others, God bless you. Anyone else say, pray for me. I, I, I need God's forgiveness in my life today. So, someone back here? All right, here's what we want to do. We want to first pray for you that are giving your life to Christ. And let me say this, you're not joining this church. You're welcome to. We'd love to have you. But what you're doing now is we're going to help you start a relationship with Christ. We want to pray for you as you commit your life to Christ and then show you how to live this Christian life. I want all you that lifted your hands needing God's forgiveness, come meet us around the altar right now. Come on around the cross right now. Give them a big hand as they come. Come on up, you that lifted your hands in prayer. Come on up. We want to pray for you right now. Come let us pray for you. That's it. Just slip out of your chair. Come on up, ma'am. Nobody's going to embarrass you. Nobody's going to hurt you. Even if you didn't lift your hand, that you want to get right with God today. Come on, let's give them a big hand as they're coming today. Come, let us pray for you today. Just come right over to the cross. Let somebody meet you there. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm not sure if I die today, if I'd go to heaven or not. I want to be sure today. Pray for me. We'll meet you at the cross. Our prayer team is coming to the altar now, and they'll close with this last chorus. They're coming to the altar. Listen, I want to say thank you for coming today. Let us sing this last song and then go. But if you need prayer, I need some more workers around the altar. Some will be here for you. I love you very much. Hope you'll come tonight at 6 for our time of prayer. God bless you. Prayer team's gonna remain around front.
And they'll be happy to pray with you about anything you got going on in your life this morning. But if not, hey, before you're dismissed this morning, I just want to remind you about prayer tonight at 6. Love to see you there.